In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. My beloved, today is a feast in the church. For those any who may have not known, but today is actually the feast of the second day of Nativity. And if you look, the church celebrates or has a cluster of things we celebrate or feasts we celebrate for the Nativity. The first one that we celebrated was on Friday. Which one is this? Baramon, right? The Baramon means like the eve of the feast or the preparation of the feast. And then the, the next day, of course, is actually the actual feast on the 7th or the 29th of Kiyak. And today is the second day of the Feast of Nativity on the 30th of Kiyak. So why does the church celebrate these three events uh, for the Nativity Feast? It kind of gives us a hint when we look at the Gospel readings for each of these days. So if we remember the Gospel for the uh, Paramun, uh, was from the Gospel of St. Luke. And this actually is the Gospel that speaks about the birth of Christ in the manger. Right? Speaks about the angel appearing to the shepherds and then taking them and saying there's one who's to be born. And they go to the, uh, to the manger and they find the, uh, Lord Jesus there in the manger. On the night of the nativity, last night, we didn't read the actual birth, but we read about the visit of the Magi to the Lord Jesus, whom they came bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if we paid attention to this reading, we find that it says what it says, and this is from Matthew chapter 2. So Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, if we read, when we read this, we'll find it says what, and when they had come into the house. So if you paid attention, if you had the Lahaz Haggah in the Synexarium, did anybody pay attention to anything in the Synexarium? The Synexarium today mentioned that the, the visit of the Magi was not actually at the Nativity, you know, when they were in the manger. But this actually happened two years later. This is why in the Gospel speaks about him, uh, wise men, they went to the house of St. Mary uh, and Joseph. And also in the same Gospel in Matthew 2 speaks about um, how Herod was heard about the birth of Christ and he wanted to kill the children in Bethlehem who were two years of age and younger. Because it was calculated that the Lord Jesus was about two years old. So this is what happened on the Feast of Nativity. Today we read the Gospel and it's from John chapter 1. Right? Uh, and we're all familiar with how this begins. So we find here that uh, Matthew and Luke speak about the physical birth of Christ. What about St. Mark? St. Mark begins his Gospel and he says... In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's all he mentions. He doesn't go into any detail about the events of the birth of Christ, but he leaves it at that. And of course we know that St. John wrote his gospel several years later. He was the last one to write any document that we have. And it says the gospel of John was written in the early 90s. So he had already access to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we found when St. Mark wrote that he only mentioned uh, about the birth of Christ, it says, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So what does St. John do? He expounds to us who is this Son of God. And he wants to emphasize to us that this one who was born in the manger is not an ordinary child, but he's the divine Logos, the Word of God, the Son of God, the divine uh, being. So St. John explains to us who the Son of God is. 
Um, and as I mentioned, the birth of the Lord Jesus is, is no ordinary birth. And it, it differs from our human birth. For example, in our human birth, the day of our birthday is the day of our becoming in existence. Right? This is where we become, you know, uh, um, uh, a full uh, person in which everybody can see, touch, feel, and experience. So our beginning comes from our conception or birth. But of course, Christ was born from St. Mary. But was this his beginning? If we think about it, Scripture speaks about the Lord having two beginnings. Right? The obvious one is the one where he's born from the Virgin St. Mary. Um, and this is uh, the one that's, you know, it's obvious. The second beginning is the one that's beginning from, begotten from the Father, beginning of the Father. Let's first go back to the one of his physical birth, the first, the, the, the initial beginning that we're most familiar with. Of course, this beginning of his birth came through the Virgin St. Mary in the fullness of time. And this is what we refer to in the Creed when we say the following, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary and became man. Notice in the Creed we don't say, and he became. But it says he became man. So it's through the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary that the Lord Jesus Christ took flesh or was incarnate, right, is what we say. Um, and incarnate means to take flesh. And sometimes we use that in our language to refer to something that has uh, not been seen and is now seen. I'll give an example of this for those who maybe are my age or older. You young ones probably have never seen this. But if you remember the TV boxes back in the day that had the two antennas on top of them? And only the older people, are, I've aged myself and everybody else here, right? So if you remember there was, used to be a TV that had like two antennas. And based on how you turn the antenna, you'd get the reception, right? And what are you receiving here? You're receiving like the, the video waves, right, that are in the air. Are the, are these waves at any point not present? No, even actually today, these waves are present, but we just don't use those TVs anymore. Some people might have antennas at home, but we don't usually don't use them, right? But what, what's happening here is that these antennas, are making these waves incarnate for us in the TV so we can see them. But these waves are always there. But only we need this TV stand and the antennas for us to make it visible. So this was the same with the Lord Jesus. He was always there, but when He took flesh, He took flesh in a way that we can see and perceive Him physically. And when He took this flesh, He didn't become like a superman, right? We don't see Him flying around like Superman with a cape and going from place to place, saving every person and everywhere. If you remember when He healed the man of the pool of Bethesda, there were many sick people there. But He healed this one man who was there for 38 years. So the miracles that He did were for particular reasons and to validate His claim to be the Son of God. But it wasn't to be like this superhuman who... Uh, had these superpowers from a different world. No. He was human just like you and I and for the majority of the time he dealt with nature as you and I deal with nature. This is why St. Paul says in his letter to Timothy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. It's a mystery. 
how the creator of the whole universe can be contained in a human form and dwell among us subject to the laws of nature and so on as we are. The second beginning was the beginning from the Father. <clears throat> and I say this with quotations as beginning. Why? Again, if we refer back to the uh, Orthodox Creed or the Nicene Creed, we say we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, so the declaration that Christ here is God, begotten, not created, of one essence with the Father. So it says, begotten, not created. So Christ's beginning was not at his birth like you and I, but his, his beginning was for eternity. Begotten of the Father. is with the same essence of the Father who is infinite. That's why he says in the book of Revelations, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He's endless, timeless. He's above time. And this is why in the Gospel of today we heard it say what? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This idea of Christ being God is not something that's only isolated or only in the New Testament itself. But there are also prophecies in the Old Testament written hundreds of thousands of years before about this Messiah, the one who is to come, is going to be divine and the Son of God. I'll share a couple of them. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Did you hear that? It says, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Meaning what? That he's timeless. He's everlasting going backwards. Right? So he's infinite in the past and also, of course, infinite in the future. And then in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 16, he says, Come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God and His Spirit have sent me. So he declares here that he is from the beginning. And of course we find Christ in the New Testament alluding to his eternity as well. When he spoke with the Pharisees, he told them, Before Abraham was, I am. Ego emi. And to them, of course, this phrase of I am was said none other to God and God alone. This is why when he said this, they immediately said that he's a blasphemer, right? Because this phrase is only said about God himself. So the Lord Christ himself told us that he is eternal. He is infinitely past, infinite, you know, future. And also, um, in Matthew 22, it says what? When the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? So now he's asking the Pharisees, Who is this anointed one who is to come? Whose son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. When he say the son of David, this is referring to his humanity, right? Because Christ, Fadan, he became, he is the son of David. He's from the lineage of David. 
And to the Jews, they understood that the Messiah would be a king from the lineage of David. Right? So, they referred here to his humanity. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So he asked them, Explain Ba'a. When David said, The Lord said to my Lord. So now the Lord here, the same word, Lord, is referring to both God the Father and God the Son. And he poses this question to them, how is it that David says this? If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to question him anymore. So we see by his own witness, he witnessed to him being the divine son of God. Also we see John the Baptist. He says about him, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me. For what? For he was before me. Wait a minute, but who was born first? Was it John the Baptist or was it the Lord Jesus? John the Baptist. So it's obvious here that even John the Baptist knew that he was from eternity. He's the incarnate word of God. He is God taking flesh. And of the Lord himself, when he spoke to the Father in Gethsemane, he says, And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. The glory that I had with you before the world was. is eternity. So why was Christ referred to as the Word, or the Logos? Or why do we refer to him as the Logos of God? The authority of man is carried in his Word. In other words, we know the authority of a person by their word. For example, when um, Adam, we know his authority in creation based on his word. God created for him the animals and he said to Adam, you name them and this is the name that they will be given. So from this we understand that Adam was made as uh, a governor of the world because he named them. You as parents, what do we do with our children? We name them because this is our authority as a parent who gave birth to this child to name this child, right? So based on this, you ask a child who named you, they'll say, so and so named me. And by this we know that these are their parents because they named them. A king's decree, again, it's, uh, when they make a decree, it is, is, you know, implemented immediately. Like King Nebuchadnezzar when he said, then everybody bow down in front of this statue. A president's, you know, decree, again, is not like an ordinary person. When the president says something, it mobilizes everybody and it comes to pass. We can talk all we want to and we can make the same degree or contrary decrees and nobody moves and nobody could care less what we're saying. But when the president says it, it carries that weight. Why? Because of the office he holds. The power of one's word is based on the authority of his office. God's word carries his power. If you remember in the time of creation, how did God create? By what? By his word. He said, let there be light. And what happened? Immediately there was light. Just like that. Something was created out of his word. Christ is the power of God. We saw him when he healed the paralytic. He didn't raise his hands and pray, but he said to him, what? 
I say to you, arise, take up your bed and walk. We read nothing in scripture about there being rehab, that there being any kind of surgery or somebody helped him up. What happened? He got up immediately, took his bed and walked home. The power of his word. He had this authority. Also we find when he raised the widow's son who was in the coffin, he said to him, young man, I say to you, arise. By his word, his spirit came back into him, reunited back to his soul, and the boy sat up and he was given to his mother by the power of his word. This is why again in the creed we say, of one essence with the Father by whom all things were made. So Christ made all things by his word from the very beginning. The second point on why Christ is referred to as the word is because words are used to impart understanding about something not perceived by the senses. So we use words to describe something that's perhaps not seen and felt by the senses. For example, a person's mind or consciousness. How do we know of this we don't see and touch somebody's conscience or their mind. But we can know what's in a person's mind based on what? Based on their word. We can know what kind of character a person is of based on how they speak by their word. So by my words, we understand the mind and are able to assess the soundness of that mind. So when we say no one has seen God the Father so how is it that we know him? Or how did we know him in the Old Testament if no one has seen him? By the word. So how do we know, for example, that God values the family so much? Well, he gave a, a command that said, if anybody dishonors their father or mother, it should be stoned to death. We don't find an account of this in the Old Testament. But we know that this is valuable to God because he gave the command by his word. That when you dishonor your parents... It's just as you're a murderer and a thief. Again, we know God by the word that he gave to us in the Old Testament. What about in the New Testament? The New Testament, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know God the Father through the Son. This is why when Philip came to the Lord Jesus and he said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. The Lord rebuked him. He said, have I not been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Right? So if you've seen me, he says, you've seen the Father. Why else is Christ referred to as the word because words have their beginning before they exit one's mouth. Before we speak words, the words are formulated in our mind and then they exit our mouth. So the same with the Lord Christ himself. The word of the Father was existing before he took flesh, before he came visible for us to perceive by the senses. And also, not everything that is in the mind is spoken, right? So when Christ came to here on earth, he didn't reveal to us the fullness of the Godhead because we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. He revealed to us some of the Godhead. 
bits and pieces. Why? To get us to hunger and thirst after this and being united to Him in hopes of the one day being united with Him in heaven and partaking of the fullness of the Godhead. This is why when uh, the Lord was with His disciples, He often taught the people in parables. So one day they asked the Lord, why is it that you speak in parables? And He said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So He even made a distinction between His disciples and the people outside. There are some things the disciples were meant to understand, and the people outside, if they're able, they understood. If they didn't, they didn't. So there are things that we somewhat can understand here on earth that God has revealed to us, but there are things that are mysteries that we're not meant to understand how they happened or when things will happen. Also, um, there are times there, there the revelation of the things in the mind are revealed in their due time, in a certain time. This is why St. Paul says in Colossians, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages, from generations, has now been revealed to his saints. So there was a timing that was perfect in the order of, of God to make known to humanity about the Godhead and about um, himself and his plan. So we see in this feast today, in the Paramon, we celebrated... Uh, we, rec- re- we remembered his birth in the manger, and this message was to the shepherds, right? And the shepherds were Jewish people, right? Then the Magi were foreigners, they were Gentiles, on the Nativity we remember them. So we see here that Christ came for the Jews and the Gentiles, meaning he came for the whole world. And who was this one who was born in the manger? Today's Gospel tells us that he is the divine Logos, the Son of God, the Word who was begotten before all ages. To God be glorified in His church forever and ever. Amen.